I'm going to go with what I feel right now. So I'm not preaching two sermons. This is it. But I think it's going to help you. God is made up of three dimensions. He's Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He's He that was, He that is, He that is to come. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Three dimensions. He, he, he's he that was, he that is, he that is to come. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. And he's omniscient. All at the same time. He's three dimensions. We are made up of three dimensions because he made us in his image like him. Are y'all with me? When God made man, he made us like him. So I'm three-dimensional. One is flesh. One is spirit. One is soul. So soul, body, spirit. The two things that operate on the earth while I'm alive is spirit and soul. I mean spirit and body. So I walk in my body. I walk in my flesh, live in my flesh. But I walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. Sometimes. When I got in your traffic today, I went straight to the flesh. There was no spirit. And so you must understand that you will never operate in a soulish place. That is for when you pass from this place and now it is your soul that is reunited with God. Your soul is reunited. So you don't operate on a soulish level. But your three dimensions. Look at somebody say your three dimensions. But you're operating in two dimensions. That's why, watch this. In the, in, in, in the Bible, Jesus is looking at the disciples and he says to the disciples, he says, who, does men, who do men say that I am? They all started saying prophets and this one and that one. He looked at Simon. He said, who do you say that I am? Simon said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Right? He only identified Jesus as two dimensions. Not the Holy Ghost, not the soul side. He identified the spirit side and he identified the flesh side. And Jesus looked at him and said, "Spirit and he said, flesh and blood have not revealed that to you, but, but, but God, my Father, revealed that to you. And you know what he told Simon? He said, from this day forward, no man will call you Simon. He said, from this day forward, you shall be known as Peter, Petra, Rock. Ain't that cool? But two chapters later, Jesus is addressing Simon, Peter, I'm sorry, and he says this, he says, Simon, Simon, the devil has desired to sift you like wheat. And I got confused when I read it because Jesus himself said, no one's going to call you Simon anymore. And there he goes, calling him Simon, two chapters later. And so I asked the Lord, why did you do that? And the Lord said, at that moment, I didn't need to talk to Peter. That went over your head, but it's all right. There's going to be some moments in your life when God talks to the old you and not the new you. Dimensions. Understanding them. Omnipotent. All-powerful. Omniscient. All-knowing. All science. God is not smart. He is knowledge. God is not strong. He is strength. When he rested on the seventh day, it wasn't because he was tired. It was because he was through. He's everywhere at all times. He's omni. He's, he's past. He's present. And he's promised. The problem with us is that we have, not that we have a problem, our problem as human beings is we only get to live here. We're always in the now. We're never outside of the now. That's why Paul said, now faith. 
If you took your camera out and took a picture of me and her right now, by the time you looked at it on your camera, it'd be then. So when we're in this place, the devil does everything he can to distract us because he does not want us to live by faith. Because faith is the only thing that pleases God. Hebrews eleven six, 6. Right? I asked my church the other day, I said, what is the opposite of faith? And my church said, fear. And I said, eh, wrong answer. Fear is a byproduct of the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith is sight. The devil puts things in my view to create fear in my spirit. Are y'all with me? We walk by faith, not by sight. That's the opposite. So my faith is constantly being challenged by what I put in my face. What I'm looking at. How I'm looking at it. We have a lot of people that their strategy is to get people to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and say they believe there's a God and they are saved. And that's okay. And I believe that too. But there's a big difference in believing there is a God and believing that God. We have a lot of people that are going to go to heaven that could have had a lot, of better, a, lot of better, a lot better life on earth. Because they didn't believe in God. They just believed there was a God. I believe that there's a God. Okay, confess it with your mouth. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead. I believe, I believe there's a God. Okay, you're saved. But we still have life to live, so we need faith. And faith means I don't just believe there is a God. It, believes, it means I believe in God. Just because I believe there is a Brian Holt doesn't mean I believe in Brian Holt. I can, do y'all know any people that you say, well, I know they exist, but I don't believe a word that comes out of their mouth. Y'all don't know anybody. Don't look at him. I'm just wondering if you know anybody like that. So I can believe, I can believe there is someone, but I don't have to believe in that someone. Am I making sense? And so we get stuck in this moment. We're stuck right here because we're always in the now. And we have a past, we have a present, and we have a promise. And God wants us focused on the promise. But here is the issue. The devil always comes to block my view of the promise in my present. Now let me tell you something. You don't have faith, and your faith is not challenged as long as this is your problem. So why is your problem like it is? Because the bigger the promise, the bigger the problem, because the devil has to block your view. So if this is your problem, I'm sorry, you don't have a big promise. And we got a lot of people trying to live life to just avoid problems. And I've asked God to increase the value of my problems. Years ago, years ago, when I, I was getting a divorce, all the television stations in Orlando covered my divorce. Got to the courthouse, getting out of my car, cameras in my face. Pastor Brown, Pastor Brown, Pastor Brown, what are you, you know, you da, 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 da. And, 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 and I got home and I started questioning God and I said, God, I've done this, 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 this. None of those people live in my house. They don't know what my life is. And I've done all this and I've, I've built this and I came to this city with $900 in my pocket and didn't know a person. I could have went down the street in Columbus, Ohio and had 1,200 people my first Sunday. But that wouldn't have been character because I worked for Pastor Parsley. 
I could have took the easy route, but I did. I went to a city I'd never been to in my life. For the first time, I drove, rolled up in there, Pastor Brian, with the U-Haul truck. Had never been to Orlando in my life. And I told God all the things. I reminded God all the things. And when I got through talking, the Lord asked me, he said, Google what Channel 2 is worth. So I Googled it. I wrote it down. Google what Channel 9 is worth. So I Googled it. Wrote it down. Google what Channel 6 is worth. I Googled it. Wrote it down. Google what the Sentinel newspaper in Orlando is worth. I Googled it. Wrote it down. Add it up. I added it up. Over three and a half billion dollars. He said, that's the threat you are to the kingdom of hell. That size. I didn't send a peon to Orlando. I sent a champion. And the devil knows it. So when the devil comes at you, he ain't coming at you with a $50 problem. If I have a $1,000 problem, I just need to know the right person. But if I have a million-dollar problem, i got to start putting my trust in the Lord. Taking my eyes off a man. So the devil comes and blocks your view. You're in this place. How many of you have ever been in that place in your life? Now watch this. God is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful. He is everywhere, omnipresent. Just because God is everywhere does not mean he's active there. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I stood in some mess and looked up and said, God, where are you? He, he didn't move. I mean, if God moved, none of us would know it because he's everywhere. <laughs> but it doesn't mean he's activated where I'm aggravated. Jesus looked up from the cross and said, why have you forsaken me? And the Bible says that the father turned his head. He was not active at that moment. So you can be here and God is omni and your promise is there. But your problem is here. And you want God to come fix your problem. I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, I said, what is your greatest need? He said, to be praised. I desire to be praised. He said, a lot of people pick churches based on the quality of the preaching. I pick it based on the quality of the praise. The Lord told me one time, he said, see, preaching, Clint, what you do, it's not so special what you think you are. I said, well, I'm both. And the Lord said, it's not so special what you do. He said, preaching is a, is a secondary consequence to sin. If people wouldn't have sinned yesterday, a sermon would not be necessary today. So the only reason you're preaching is because somebody sinned. But if nobody had ever sinned, I would still want your praise. And I would still want your worship. His weakness is worship. He sat down at a well with a woman and she had been with five dudes. And he's talking to her like he don't know nothing but he knows everything, you know. And he said, where's your husband? She says, oh, uh, he, he's, uh, um, he's, you know, it's him hawing around, you know. And the scripture didn't say it, but I know she did. She, she said, I know she said, where's, where's my husband? Because anytime somebody's getting ready to lie to you, they repeat the question you ask them. You know, hey, where you been? Where I been? You want to know where I've been? They, they, they repeat it because they're trying to think. 
So I, I think this woman said to Jesus, you want to know where my husband is? <laughs> Jesus looked back at her. He said, to be honest, the one you're living with is not your husband, right? And you've had five. You know what she did? Immediately, Pastor Steve, go read it. John chapter 4. She turned the conversation to worship. She goes, out of that statement, she says, my father's worship in the mountain. Jesus never returned to her, her, her past after she brought up worship. It, 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 it's his weakness. His Achilles heel is a worshiper, a praiser. It'll alter God's conversation with you. It'll make him put his belt back on. You know, we got this all wrong. Kids hadn't learned. They need to learn. You know, before your parents whipped you back in the day when we whipped our kids. You know, we would tell our kids before we whipped them, now I want you to know I love you. And it was backwards. Kids should have said, I love you, Dad. I love you so much, Dad. We get in this place and we want God to fix problems. And one day I was talking with God and we talked because I talked with my, with my spirit mind on. It's not like he's talking to me like I'm talking to you. You know, I'm not trying to be, I'm not Jesse DePlantis, but what I'm saying is, you know, I had these conversations with God and the Lord spoke to me and in my spirit and was just ministering to me and opening my eyes to things. And he said, Clint, you must understand no matter where you are, I desire to be in a place I'm familiar with. No matter where you are. Wrong place, wrong time. God will show up there if you make that place a place he's familiar with. Right? You don't understand that? Watch. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He only comes when earth looks like heaven. Isaiah wanted to see how he lived. And you know what Isaiah said? Lord, I want to see. God said, all right. He scoops Isaiah up. And the Bible says he brought him to the third heaven and showed Isaiah, Pastor Brian, heaven. And when Isaiah got there, Isaiah said he was sitting on a throne and there were angels on one side and angels on the other side. And the ones on the right were saying holy. And when those would quit saying holy, this one would say holy. And when this one, that one would quit, this one would say holy. And some theologians said that those seraphims and, and cherubims were created to just worship God. That if they'd have said, tried to say, I'm thirsty, it has come out holy. I'm tired. Holy. He was used to hearing holy, 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 holy. He wanted Isaiah to see that if you want me to come down in your situation, you've got to make earth look like what I'm used to and what I'm comfortable with. Because I don't desire to visit you. I desire to inhabit. That means live in, dwell in. And I'm not living in just any kind of apartment. Our house. I want a place that's that's decorated for me. And so you know what I do? When I get in real trouble, I start giving God praise and worshiping God, knowing He's going to show up because He inhabits the praises of His people. And I just don't worry about all my problems because I know how He is. Because when He gets there, He ain't living in a sloppy apartment. He ain't living where debt is. He's not living where sickness is. He's not living where defeat is. So He gets there, props His feet up, listens to me worship, and fixes everything in my life. Am I making sense? God is not moved by problems. If he was, there would be no hunger on the earth. There would be no poverty on the earth. He's not moved because you have a problem. He's moved by praise. So right here, you're in this situation. And people make a mistake. Devil in the name of Jesus, in the name of Sunday. Come here, come here, come here. Come on, touch it, touch it. Two or three, you're touching the same thing. Get, get. 
and we go through aerobics of what we think God wants us to do. And God never asked us to do that. He just gave us authority to do that. But we're doing it to prove to God we have faith. I'm not letting you, devil, I'm not letting you, you're not going to. And before you know it, when that mountain doesn't move, our courage starts decreasing. Our hope starts decreasing. Our faith starts decreasing, weakens. So we stand here in this place called now, the present. There's the past, and there's the promise. And the problem always tries to get in the way of my view of my promise because my promise, what God told me he was going to do, is what keeps me going. But when I start convincing myself that this is as good as it's going to get, issues start happening. I'm going to say something, and you better hear me well. As a pastor, I've told people, and it's offended some people, but it's all right. If I don't offend you personally while I'm preaching, I'll do it in the foyer when it's over. But, but listen, I've had people come to me and go, Pastor, please pray for me. The, the devil is attacking my finances. And I'm not stupid. I'm not ignorant. I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not one without sympathy. I understand what they're saying. But the devil's attacking my finances. Pastor, pray for me. The devil's attacking my marriage. Pastor, pray for me. The devil's attacking uh, my business. Pastor, pray for me. The devil, right? Have you ever heard anybody say things like that? I need prayer. The devil's attacking da-da-da-da-da. And you know what I learned? The devil only attacks what your praise is connected to. Wait, I'm going to say that a different way. As long as you have it, you got praise. But the minute it's gone, it's an attack and you need God to do something. And you quit praising. If the devil knows, watch, whatever the devil believes is attached to your praise, he quits messing with it. He won't mess with your money if he knows, I'll praise, I, was, I praised him when I was broke. He'll quit attacking your business whenever your praise is not attached. You said, business? I'm lucky I even had a business. I ain't even got a high school education. I'm going to praise God. I don't care. Take it. I don't care. You can have it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so the Lord told me one time, the Lord said, as long as your praise is attached to your car, he, he, he's going to attack your car. As long as your praise is attacked to, attached to your money, he's going to attack your money. But if your praise stays attached to me, guess what? I've already defeated that dog. So he can't mess with me ever again. And so, y'all all right? Sorry, I didn't know it was 7.10. It's 10 after 10 my time. I'm tired. So, we must do something in this place. Now remember, I have a past. I have a present. I have a problem now in front of my promise. Right? I'm teaching you what to do the next time this size problem shows up in your present. And you have to make a decision. And this is what you have to do. You can, what's your name, babe? Jaji. Jaji, you can no longer see your promise, can you? But let me ask you a question. Can you see your past? If you what? If you turn around, right? So turn around, Jaji. Now watch. How many dimensions has God? It's not a trick question. I told you 17 times. Was, is, going to be. How, how many dimensions? How many dimensions are we? We're three, operating in two. Your praise is three dimensional. Praise is thanking God for the past, the present, and the promise. It's thanking God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. Watch, watch. I can prove it. Enter his gates. With what? Thanksgiving. So watch. 
Entrance means beginning. So you're not beginning, Jaja. You're alive and you've been on the earth and I saw you singing up here. So you're not, you're not just beginning in life. You're young, but you're not just beginning. You have a beginning. So you enter thanking him. But when you get to the court, this is the place where decisions are made and judgments are rendered and evidence comes out. The court. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Exist in his courts with praise. And praise is three-dimensional. Thanksgiving is not. Thanksgiving looks at something done and has gratefulness for it. But praise is three dimensions. So when you get in the now, you have to praise. And when you, all you can see is your problem, you have to do this. Watch. You have to turn around. And you have to see where you started. And what he brought you through to get you here. Look at all the trials, the stuff, when you could have gave up, when it could have been over. Your marriage could have ended right here. But it didn't, it made it to here. So when all you see is this, you've got to turn around and remind yourself of that. What? Goliath shows up to face a little bitty David. You know what David said? Watch. David's facing a giant. But what did David say? David praised. He did? I didn't read that, Pastor. Yeah, you did. The same God that brought me and delivered me from the bear and the lion is able. I'm done. So my praise... Pastor Natalie, a God that's everywhere, but he's not active, my praise activates him. Because my problem's not attractive to him. Well, I don't want to serve a God if my problem's not attractive to him. Well, too bad. That's just the way it is. I mean, this is the same Jesus, y'all, that was in the boat sleeping. While the disciples said, had to go wake him up and say, don't you care that we're going to drown? He wasn't moved by the problem. So when you start praising him, and you listen to me carefully, praise and prayer are the only two things perpetual in your life that is commanded by the scripture. Watch, pray without ceasing. I will bless the Lord at all times. Watch. His praise shall continually means not, without stopping. Be in my, my mouth. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to, to plant. There's a time to pluck up. There's a time to rejoice. There's a time to cry. Everything in Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that times come. And there's a time to rejoice and a time to mourn. But here's the deal. When David showed up, he turned around and said, I don't care if you're mourning. I don't care if you're dancing. I don't care if you're planting. I don't care if you're plucking up. I don't care if there's peace. I don't care if there's war. I don't care if there's victory. I don't care if there's defeat. You have to bless the Lord at every time you're in. Don't matter if you're up, down, in, or out. Shout, I will praise him. And watch this, Pastor Steve. And I'm, I'm going to let Pastor Brian have it. It activates God. He didn't move. He's omni. But in his three dimensions, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you always. And he said, lo, he wanted you to know I'll be there at the very lowest points of your life. So when, Jaja, right? Jaji. Jaji, when you start looking back and saying, thank you, God. I could have been born and, and to a mother that was a drug addict and grew up fighting drugs and shaking I, you, you brought me through this I don't know your life Jaji but it's not perfect you've had issues how old are you 15 still 15 years of issues stuff has happened it's the truth 
I'm going to tell you something. 15-year-olds are dealing with stuff we didn't deal with till we were 30. So she's had problems. But when you start looking at where he brought you from, Jati, and you start praising him, and you, you don't put your focus on this, watch what God does, Jati. He's activated. And one of the definitions of praise out of the 129 definitions of praise is, is, is the city called Gilgal, which was the first city that they came into when they crossed over the Jordan that he promised them. Everybody say Gilgal. Watch this, y'all. Gilgal means wheel. What do wheels do? So watch, Jaji. You start praising him for what he's done. And when you activate God, he's got to do this. He's got to turn your situation around. He don't have to fix nothing. He don't have to destroy nothing. He just turns it around. Why does he turn it around? He wants to see. He wants the devil to see what he brought you through. And he wants you to see what he's about to bring you to. So if you praise him right. I wish somebody would praise him right now. Right now lift up your voice and praise him. Right now lift up your voice and magnify him. Open up your mouth and give him praise. And God will turn your situation around. Come on and magnify him. Don't get tired in praising him. Don't get tired in worshiping him. Magnify the Lord. Lift up your voice and say, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I could have been dead. I could have been gone. I could have died. I could have given up. I couldn't have. Maybe today I wouldn't be here, but because of your grace, because of your mercy. I've lost a lot of things in my life. And I found out there's a lot of things I thought I needed that I didn't need. But I'll tell you something, and I can say this with God standing right here beside me, looking at me and hearing every word I've said. I have never stopped praising. Never. Watch this, Jaji. And I'm done. Stay standing. When I was eight, Pastor Nicole, when I was eight, I went with my dad. He took me and my two brothers to camp because we didn't have no money. So we would pretend like we were going on vacations and stuff. My dad took us to the woods. It was in Louisiana. We would go to an old bayou area by my house where I grew up. If you ever grew up in Louisiana and you go out there in the woods by the bayous, you, sooner or later you're going to feel like you're by yourself standing out there. And I was out there, Pastor Steve, and my dad said, all right, Clint, I want you to go that way. Randy, I want you to go that way. Greg, you're going to go that way. I'm going to go that way. And I'm going to get as many sticks as I can hold. Y'all get as many sticks as you can hold and bring them back, and that's what we're going to use for a fire tonight. Well, I was eight. And when I was eight, I, I didn't go anywhere without my two guns on each side of me. You know what I'm talking about? Cowboy. You remember the holsters we had, the cowboy guns and stuff? They weren't real, you know. They just, but man, I was walking out in those woods back there in Louisiana, Pastor Brian. And, I was killing, man. I was killing bears and lions and Indians and bad guys and this guy and playing cowboy with him. And I didn't realize that slowly the sun had gone down. And before I knew it, eight years old, standing. Let me tell you something about the dark. 
dark creates imagination. Every twitch of a leaf I thought was a bear. Couldn't have been a squirrel. Not in the dark. It's a bear. We see things in the dark. One night I got up as a kid and I was so scared I, I ran out my room and told my mom that there's a man in, in my room. My mom went in there and she turned on the light and my brother had hung his cowboy hat and his coat. And it looked like a man in the dark. We see things that are not real when we get in dark places. We hear stuff and at the lowest points in my life sometimes I would quit answering my phone because everybody just wanted to tell me stuff that was happening in my dark. Man, you're not going to believe what so and so said about you. You're not going to believe what so and so saying about you. And so I would quit answering my phone and I would just be by myself in the dark. And when I was eight, I got, Jaji, I got in that, in those woods. I was by myself. And all I would hear was, and fear gripped my little heart. And this is what I did. I said, before that I was going ain't nobody gonna mess with me <laughs> an hour before that I was I was I wish that somebody would come out here but when I got in real trouble I wasn't dependent on my money my little muscles or nothing but I knew I had a father that cared about me and I would daddy five times, Pastor Brian, I heard a voice. And the voice said, Clint, is that you? I said, yeah, it's me, Dad. I'm lost. I'm in the dark. And that's when my dad got activated. And you know what my dad said to me? What God is telling you tonight. Don't move. Keep calling my name and I'll find you where you are. I'll come right there. Right there. And I'll turn that situation around. And the minute my father was activated and I felt the touch of his hand, all that confidence came back. And I knew everything was going to be alright. And I came all the way to tell somebody, if you'll just keep calling on the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ our King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing compares what a powerful name it is, the name. And I look back at my past and I say, You have no rival, and you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, and yours is the glory. Yours is the name. And he turns and I say, What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. Come on, sing it, City Regions. Come on, lift it up in the house of the Lord. He's worthy.
He's mighty. He's able. Nothing can stand against that name. The name of Jesus. That matchless, unstoppable name. The name of Jesus. Come on, can you give Jesus a hand tonight in the house of the Lord? Can we give Bishop a hand in the house of the Lord? Can we honor the man of God? So grateful for generals of the faith like Bishop Clint Brown. I'll tell you, God gave him double for his trouble. I imagine his beautiful wife, Pastor Kendall, is watching. So Pastor Kendall, we honor you. We thank God for you. Come on, give Pastor Bishop Clint Brown a hand one more time. Are you blessed this evening? Yes, ushers, you can come forward. You know, as Bishop was speaking and preaching and worship team, you can, you can join me up here. We had three people standing up here and I just kept seeing the promises of God on this house. I kept seeing the promises that God has for you, for your house, for your family. I kept seeing, as Gadiel was standing here, the nations assigned for this house to reach. Specifically, I kept seeing Tijuana, Mexico. I kept seeing the city that we're going to invade in September. The promise that we've been given to reach to the ends of the earth with this glorious gospel message. I saw Jaji sitting there and, and we haven't seen this promise come to pass. And there's going to be obstacles and there are obstacles that we're facing but how many know we've been to El Salvador, we've been to Honduras, we've seen blind eyes open, we've seen deaf ears unstopped, we've seen people get out of wheelchairs, we've seen cancer healed at these altars, we've seen demons cast out, we've seen multiplied thousands saved, and the devil's not gonna stop us. And I came to tell you tonight, the devil's not gonna stop you. If he can't steal your praise, he will not be able to steal your promise. There are promises in this house. The atmosphere is ripe with faith tonight for you to lay hold of them. Matthew 10, 8 says, heal the sick. Jesus said, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Come on, do you have faith for that? Do you want to see the dead raised in your lifetime? I thought this was a Pentecostal church. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. You know, you can't say you love Jesus and be uncomfortable with the supernatural. Jesus cast out demons. Jesus healed the sick. And if you love Jesus, then you will be very comfortable and familiar with the supernatural. You'll believe for it. You'll contend for it. Especially with what our children are facing. We need the supernatural. We need the glory. We need Holy Ghost, Pentecost power alive in our churches, especially in our city. We need a Holy Ghost revival in Los Angeles that will spread through this nation and then will spread into the ends of this earth. There might not be a lot of us under the sound of this voice, but there's some preachers in the room. There's some pastor's wives in the room. There's some intercessors in the room. There's some women that are willing to fight for our children in the room. There's some fathers that are going to be raised up as the priests of their house. There's some young people under the sound of my voice. And you're going to preach this gospel in boldness. The devil hasn't stopped the remnant of Jesus Christ. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely you have received. Freely give. I don't know about you, but I was set free in an altar. I don't know about you, but this glorious gospel message transformed my life. I don't know about you, but without the Holy Ghost, I was 
a hot mess. I don't know about you, but seeing miracles, signs, and wonders has changed me and ruined me for the ordinary. I don't know about you, but I have freely received, and tonight I will freely give. I will freely give. I will freely give. There's a beautiful atmosphere of the Holy Ghost in this place. There's faith in the atmosphere. Our altars are going to remain open tonight. There will be prayer available. But I needed to take this opportunity for us to sow and give into the hand of God. For our crusade in Tijuana in September. For us to reach multiplied thousands. For us to see demons cast out and the sick healed. For us to continue to reach the lost with this bold gospel message. We won't bring it in word alone, but in the power of the Holy Ghost and in full conviction. So tonight as we receive our offering, you can give your tithe, that holy sanctified 10%. You can faithfully give your tithe in obedience to the Lord, but you can also give above and beyond that with an offering here this evening because we know God's going to use it. He's going to use it to heal the sick and to reach the lost. So, Lord, we give tonight freely because we have received freely. We give tonight out of hearts that are grateful we give tonight not out of obligation, not to check off a box. We give tonight because we have received from you, so we give freely. I always say it's not about the amount you give. It's about the amount of faith it takes to give it. And so tonight we give an offering of faith that will please you. Tonight we give an offering that takes faith to put in your hand. for your kingdom and for your glory to advance this gospel, to take back land from the kingdom of darkness, to push the devil back. We give tonight freely because we've received freely. Ushers, you can receive tonight's tithe and offering. And as you give tonight, give an expectation that faith is gonna rise in your life. Give an expectation that the promises of God upon your life the devil cannot stop them. The devil cannot have them. When you give that offering tonight, give knowing that God is for you, that God hears you. And late in the midnight hour, what did Bishop say? He's going to turn it around. Come on, he's turning some things around here under the sound of my voice. That divorce didn't kill you. He's turning it around. That sickness didn't take you out. He's turning it around. Your babies might be on heroin. Preach this gospel. He's going to turn it around. There's a faith in the atmosphere. And if you're believing, if you're believing for a miracle tonight, don't hesitate. Get out of your seat and come to these altars. There's a faith. And that step of faith, the Holy Ghost might meet you right where you're at tonight. It's worth the risk. Come on. So we're going to worship and we're going to praise. These altars will be open. God bless you. God bless you. Come back and see us on Wednesday.
name it is the name of Jesus 